Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1054 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back to my parenting series with Erica Forsyth. Today's episode is Understanding Parenting Styles. There are a number of different parenting styles, not just ones to choose from. You actually fall into one. You may not even know it. You may fall into more than one. Today, we're going to find out about those styles and the impacts that they have. Kind of look at the pros and cons of each. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. Erica Forsyth is available to you at ericaforsyth.com. Be sure to check her out. She's fantastic. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Go find your community. People are out there. They're looking to help you, and they may just uh, need your help too. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Make a friend or don't. Lurk around. I don't care. Use it however you want. Speaking of using things however you want, go check out the Diabetes Pro Tip series. It's at diabetesprotip.com, juiceboxpodcast.com. We're running right now between episode 1000 and 1026 in your audio player. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by US Med. US Med is the place where Arden gets her diabetes supplies from, and you can too. usmed.com slash juicebox. Go there now, get your free benefits check, and get started. If you don't want to use the internet, that's fine. Pick up the phone. 888-721-1514. That number is especially for Juicebox podcast listeners. Give it a call. Get going. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. Erica, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to see you. It's nice to today. see you today. Are you excited? We're going to start our first series together. I'm very excited. This is this is a special occasion. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's like a holiday without gifts. So I came to Erica a little while ago. It's been a couple of months now, I guess. And mm-hmm. I said I'd love to do. I mean, my first thing out of my mouth was I'd love to do uh, a series about what you see with your job, uh, about parenting, like styles, good, bad, what works, what doesn't, where problems come from, like all this stuff. And from that little bit of an idea, we build out a series. So this is the first episode. I don't even know that I know what we're going to call it yet. So I I won't be able to say right now, but in today's episode, Erica and I are going to talk about understanding parenting styles. And by that, I mean, she's going to talk and I'm going to ask some silly questions and that'll probably be it. So Let me list them here because Eric has given them to me as, and already I'm confused because two of them sound the same, (laughs) authoritarian, permissive, uninvolved, and authoritative. And that's the order we're going to do them in today. Yes. Okay. Yes. So let's dig right in. Okay. Let's dig right in. And I think just to preface 
that as you listen to our discussion on these styles to just be mindful of your your self-talk and if you find yourself, you know, going into you know a shame spiral or just really getting hard on yourself as you listen to these different styles, just want to remind you that we are, you know, neither Scott nor I are perfect parents. There's no such thing as perfect parenting. And we're just really hopeful in as we go through some of these styles and parenting strategies that it will be it'll be helpful and not hurtful. And just to be kind to yourself as we go through these these different styles. Yeah, I will like just come out and say my whole idea behind this is that it's already hard enough to be a parent. And then your child's diagnosed with, you know, an incurable disease or you have one and you still have to be a parent to somebody. You know, these things are easy. They, they easily can get away from you and mm-hmm. become backburner stuff that you just think good is good enough. And you don't. You know, you don't step back and see yourself anymore. And a lot of spiraling can happen. And if you're not paying attention to those things and communication breaks down and relationships fall apart, it's pretty likely that you'll stop taking care of your health along that way, too. So that's why I thought it was important. Um, But anyway, authoritarian. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So um, in one more quick intro that um, Dr. Diana Baumrind, I hope I'm saying that correctly, introduced, she noticed, um, she's a psychologist in the 1960s studying at um, Cal Berkeley. She noticed that there were these styles of behaviors and personalities in preschoolers. And through her research, she noticed that they were reflective of certain parenting styles. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1980s, uh, Dr. Maccabee and Martin introduced, expanded the model. Um, so that's where these terms came from, those psychologists. Okay. So starting off with authoritarian, is that, that's where we're starting off with, correct? Yeah, absolutely. While I'm yes, Googling yes. it so I can keep up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So authoritarian parents, just to give an example, they might be overheard saying because I said so, and and I say it in that emphasis, they are really believe in rules. They often will feel like it's you know it's it's either your way, their highway type of um, parenting. And you, if you see your child exhibiting a certain behavior, you will you know, follow through with certain punishment or discipline, and often emphasize that you, you know, you've you made the rules, you're going to enforce the consequences, and you aren't really engaging the child in learning or correcting the behavior, but rather just focusing on, hey, I'm the parent, I'm in charge. You said it in that you said this particular thing in that tone, or you did this behavior, and now you're going to be punished. The children might be responding in a way that they might become more hostile or aggressive mm-hmm. in, in, if you if you are leaning into an authoritarian type of parenting. So do some children not like not want to be told what to do, but some like it though, right? I'm not not to say it's a great style or not, but some people want to be told what to do also. Do you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think as we go through all these styles, yes, there are you might hear something that we say and you might remember yourself saying something. I'm, I'm sure I've said this as a parent at oh, some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. There's, an, there's a time and place for maybe different aspects of these different styles and creating really firm boundaries and expectations 
is healthy. And if you are authoritarian type of parent, you are going to really uphold that. And those, that's a positive. I think where it can become confusing and create maybe some more problematic behavior for the child later on is the delivery and then not really spending a whole lot of time in that, that warm nurturing space in the relationship with the child. So you are, you are, you are the parent, you have the rules, you're enforcing them, but there's no, there's not a lot of time spent in the, the relationship building, the trust building, that type of thing. Do people seem to have trouble being flexible or moving between these four styles? Like do, I I guess, uh, is it once an authoritarian, always authoritarian kind of a feeling? That's a great question. I think maybe naturally you might lean into one type of style and you also might be a response to how you were parented. Sure. Um, as a child, you might do exactly the way you were, you know, you might want to replicate that. You might want to do the opposite. And so I would say stereotypically as parents, we might kind of repeatedly and automatically lean into a certain style, but given the nature of our stress, our exhaustion, our own physical and mental health, we might find ourselves popping in and out of different types of styles. Okay. But generally I would say we might, you might lean into one more than the other. And these are sort of natural. You can't, but it's not permanent. You can always change. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, you, you could, but I mean, whether you will or not, I don't know. But uh, so my expectation is, is that the doctor you brought up earlier she recognized these four buckets that people seem to fit into. And I'm as you're, well, I don't want to say what I'm going to say yet. Let, I'm sorry. I'm going to hold my thought till the end. There we go. Okay. That, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. 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 So these, this could be more obedience discipline. Is this like where, like, how about yelling? And like, is that all fit into this model? I would say yelling. If you if you do practice more of a physical type of punishment, I would suggest that you probably are an authoritarian type of parent. Mm-hmm. You often, maybe without intending to, you're you're wanting the kids to really feel sorry for the for the mistakes for what they did. And really you want them to really recognize. And again, it's not necessarily all bad all the time. We right. want our children to be able to understand that we maybe did or said something that was incorrect or or cruel. Mm-hmm. But again, it's the it's the delivery and the connection and the relationship that you have with the child is how you are parenting yeah. the child, whether it's authoritative or different style. Mm-hmm. Is there any situation, a scenario you can think of where this is a positive? Or is this mostly a negative uh, way of parenting people? I think there are certain, like, for, I'm thinking about like safety, mm-hmm. right? Where, yeah. you know, don't, you do not run after the ball across the street without looking both ways or, you know, various, you do not swim in the pool without a, an adult present. Again, that I think those, those are really strict because I said so. Well, you know, why, why can't I go swimming without a parent present? Well, because I said so. And that's the rule. So I think. Is that, is that, a? are you being authoritarian in that moment? Because if you leave it up to them, their little soft minds might think their way out of it and go, oh, you know, she said we can't swim without somebody here, but Bill is here. He's nine and we're all six. He's got us. Like, you know, like they could think their way through it and try to come out the other side. So you want to leave them with a feeling like if I get in this pool, someone's coming at me. Like, I don't know if it'll be, uh, you know, I'm stuck in my room. I mean, some people might slap some I don't know like you know what I mean like screaming and yelling like 
you know, any, anywhere in between, I guess, in that, in that kind of, you know, from violence to just, you know, lockdown, I guess. But if it works and nobody drowns, then you kind of feel like, all right, well, it did work. And I think then that builds on your, that could build on your problem because here's a great example, the swimming thing where, you know, we have firm rules, you have to follow them. There's no way around it. Great. But then as the parent, I guess you see that work. And then all of a sudden it's vacuum the room because I said so, like, because it's easier and you're tired probably, you know? That's right. And, and ultimately it's, you know, you want to protect your child and out of fear and concern, you really want your child to obey that rule. Yeah. I think where maybe the difference, like, yes, are you being authoritarian in saying no swimming without an adult present because I said so, but then if when your child disobeys that rule, maybe where we would see a difference in parenting style is, is the consequences. And like, yes, is your child going to have a consequence for disobeying? And then are you going to explain it? You know, are you going to sit down and say, I love you and I want you to be safe. And I know it feels so if you're val- spending time validating yeah. why the child feels frustrated or is just because I said so in your room for an hour done. So you could have authoritarian expectations and lay the rules down in that, in that vein. But if it goes wrong, you could respond not in an authoritarian way. Yes, that's I think probably, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably the balance that you're trying to mm-hmm. strike there. Right. Okay, that makes sense to me. Okay. So what are some of the negatives? If you lean too hard into this and, I mean, is it child to child? Like, meaning, I, I, first I want to just say, like, I'm not here telling you I think you should hit people or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just imagining some people do and trying to speak kind of, like, broadly here. But is there a world where one of your kids is just out of their freaking mind? And like, this is the only thing they respond to. And and in the moment, you know, it's not the right thing, but it's the only thing keeping them from seeing if they can jump from the patio across the something into the pool or something like, you know what I mean? Like, what about the crazy kids? Like, what do you, I don't mean crazy, crazy. I mean, like, right, what about right. the ones that are like, ah, and a lot of energy and hard to handle. And you're pretty sure they're going to end up under a car. I think you might even find, as you give in this example, I'm thinking about parents and myself included who we might have different styles for our different children mm-hmm. right because of their personality because of our energy level of when we you know did you have one child and then 5 years later you had your second you're a little bit older you're tired or did they present differently and so yes i think there are certain aspects of each style that might fit more appropriately with your particular child and how they present Ultimately, you always want to focus on building that relationship with the child. And that's so I think, yes, there might be certain examples in which case the authoritarian command and consequence may be appropriate, uh, but not, I would say, not consistently. Erica, I find almost every one of our conversations frustrating. And it's not because of you. (laughs) It's It's got nothing to do with you. It's just about how the human mind works, because I can even envision a situation where you've got one kid who responds well to one style and one kid that responds well to the other style. But one of the styles is you're locked in your room all the time or you've taken one upside the head once or twice and you look over at the other one. And you're like, you just ask her what to do and she just does it. And everything's like, you're so great. blah blah. Like, And how do you turn to the first kid and say, well, yeah, well, that works for them. And you can't do that. Either. There's no winning. If anyone's listening, what I'm trying to tell you is do not have children. <laughs> That's my, that's, there's no winning this game. Erica doesn't believe that's true. I believe it's true. I don't think you can, 
I don't think you can win. I think you're mitigating. I think you're always mitigating. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. It's uh, okay. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I made Erica laugh and she lost her train of thought. I did. I did. <laughs> But but tell me what what are some of the real negatives of this? If you have a kid who doesn't respond well to this style and you're using it on them, what could come of that? Everybody who has diabetes has diabetes supplies, but not everybody gets them from US Med the way we do. USMed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. That's right, US Med carries everything from insulin pumps to diabetes testing supplies, right up to your latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 2 and 3 and the Dexcom G6 and 7. They even have Omnipod Dash and Omnipod 5. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and you can reach them at 888-721-1514 or by going to my link, usmed.com forward slash juicebox. When you contact them, you get your free benefits check, and then if they take your insurance, you're off and going. And US Med takes over 800 private insurers and Medicare nationwide. Better service and better care is what US Med wants to provide for you. usmed.com forward slash juice box. Get your diabetes supplies the same way Arden does from US Med. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com to US Med and all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. I think per, and also this is, you know, research based that children who are exposed to authoritarian parents most of the time, they might grow up to feel like their their opinions, their feelings aren't necessarily considered or matter. They might present with lo- either lower self-esteem. Sometimes they might become more hostile or aggressive in their play as younger kids. And then as they get older, you know, in, in different types of behaviors, they might become, they might just be really angry at, at you, at at themselves because they never really understand like why are they why am I always told to do this thing but I don't really understand it so when I'm not when the child is not being able to have an opportunity to express how they feel or ask questions or learn then the kind of the automatic response is I'm I'm just going to be angry okay. at at my parents I'm going to be angry at myself like probably swimming in a lot of shame sorry go ahead how does that carry into adulthood I think that would be as an adult, maybe not knowing how to properly identify and express how you feel, probably having a lot of I'm not good enough type of thinking, no matter what I do, I'm not seen or valued or heard, feeling that's like the lower self-esteem type of talk. Yeah, I can also see a feedback loop here that's probably not great because if you're the parent and you somehow either decide or you grew up this way, and you and you 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 go with it. By the way, saying that someone went with this parenting style, I think is ridiculous. I don't think anyone sits down and goes, "I wonder how I'm going to parent this kid." I think it just it, whatever comes out of your mouth is what comes out That's of your right. mouth, right? But if you decide authoritarian is the way to go, 
and the kid pushes back, then every time the kid pushes back, it reinforces your idea that they need this kind of clampdown, right? Because look how they're hard. They're difficult. Like, but like, but meanwhile, you could go with a different thing where they might just be like, oh, cool. All right. And you'll never know because you won't think to try that one. Oh, okay. That's, that is really a great observation okay. because then yeah, you owe that. And then in your narrative, you might start to say, and you'll talk to your friends or your partner, gosh, you know, Johnny's so stubborn. Mm-hmm. He's, he's so strong willed and we really need to like crack down mm-hmm. on, on his tone and his behavior. Yeah. And yeah. And then itself, it kind of perpetuates itself. I see. Yeah. Okay, is there more to say about this or can we move on to the next one? Um, you know, I was just, I was trying to find, I was going to give some, a data point, but I wanted to be able to reference it that 20 in the US, it says roughly 26% use the authoritarian parenting style. But I want to be sure as I go through the, I will try and find where. where That's this, fine. You think about, but fine. you think you've seen about 26%? That's what this article says, okay. and I want to make sure I can find where they got that. Okay. Um, so I'll continue to look for that as well, we continue. While you're doing that, I'll move on. Mm-hmm. The next one is okay. permissive parenting. I'm just going to go from the internet. Is a type of parenting style characterized by low demands with high responsiveness. I already don't understand that sentence. Permissive parents tend to be very loving, yet provide few guidelines and rules. These parents do not expect mature behavior from their children and often seem more like a friend than a parental figure. That seem accurate to you? Yes, yes. So you might have rules as a permissive parent, but you're not going to always consistently enforce them or follow them. Mm-hmm. You may give out some consequences, but not consistently. And you kind of you live in kind of this mindset of like, I really want my child to figure things out by themselves. And that, right, like even just saying that, that's not all bad. No, right. Right. Yeah. To to let yourself to let your child learn and, you know, make mistakes. There is an element that we, of course, we want our child, our, you know, our children to learn and make mistakes. Yeah. Are we allowing them to act in a way or make mistakes that are really problematic and hurtful to themselves and others? And do we kind of allow that? A lot of people might say permissive parenting is like indulgent parenting. Okay. Like letting them kind of run rule the roost. Do you think it comes like our thoughts about these things? Do you think it comes from when you're an adult, you think back to someone who you knew who was treated that way and they didn't turn out well? Sort of like, if I'm being honest, there's like three female names from when I was growing up, I would have never named a daughter because I knew three girls with this name and they skeeved me out for one reason or another. Like, so like you just couldn't wrap your mind around calling your kid that. And I wonder if you don't look up and say, well, I'm going to be this way because the person who sticks out in my mind is being a real, it w- was definitely raised like this. And so I'm going to try to stay away from that without giving any, any weight to all of the other variables that would help make that decision. I wonder if that's why we kind of, besides how we were treated, because if you were treated permissively, I would think just like with the, with the last one, you're either going to come out of it one way or the other. Either you're going to be like some low energy, like stoner, right? Like literally like, hey, man, everything's fine. Or you're going to think I am lucky to be alive because my parents didn't help me at all. And I'm going to do that thing for them. You think? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Either like an, having a more grateful 
experience or never really learned boundaries, consequences. Um, and so you're continuing to maybe test those boundaries. Yeah. I think as a child or excuse me, as a parent, you might have the mindset of like, well, you know, kids will be kids. And again, I know my tone, that was kind of more of a, a critical tone, but mm. sometimes kids will be kids sure. and that's okay. And so I think it's this striking this balance between giving them permission to make some choices, grow, learn. But then when they're, when they do come up against that, the boundary, the rule that you've set mm -hmm. where you are more of a permissive parent is not following through, like not always giving the time out or not. And again, this, it's right. really hard to be consistent. Sure. As I think about this, each one of these styles comes with its own positive and negative possible outcomes. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of follow the same thing. Like if you're very permissive with somebody, they might end up just, you know, a near to well. And they also, I don't know, might not. But I will say this, with the exception of like a, being a douchebag, I don't see how you'd go real bad being permissive with somebody. Like if you were, you know what I mean? Unless they turned them into a, I don't know, a loan sharking drug dealer or something like that. But like, you know what I mean? Like in a regular scenario, I think you would get kind of a mellow person out of a permissive. They might not be go-getters. They might not be, you know, a captain of industry or something like that. But I think on a human level, I don't think you could go. I don't think this one sounds really damaging to me. And by the way, the first one, the authoritarian one for the right person, you might create a real like, you know, like somebody who goes out there and gets at it and doesn't screw around and gets things done. And I don't know, maybe needs to be whipped on a Friday afternoon in a dungeon. But other than that, they're, you know, re <laughs> pretty reasonable. I like that you're just nodding through that. You're like so used to I, me at this I'm point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just got to let it out somewhere, Scott. Like with the dominatrix, I hear what you're saying. And like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like again, all right, let me ask you this. We've gone through two of these. Have we hit the style you use? I'm certainly would, if I were totally honest, I, there have been certain moments where I've been authoritarian. There have been moments where I've been permissive. There have probably been moments where I'm neglectful. I'd like to say I'd lean in the authoritative, but I can I can read and research and talk about all of these styles and, oh yeah, I was I was certainly that style last night. Yeah. And I think that's that's a normal, natural thing for all of us. I'll give away two of mine How so far. How about you? How well, about you? Arden yeah. reminded me the other day. She's like, do you remember like 15 years ago when you were really sick and um, Cole did something and you took his cell phone and threw it across the room? <laughs> and I went, yeah, I remember that. She goes, um, that took us by surprise. And I said, I, I regret that, if I'm being honest. And, and I have no, like, I couldn't give you any context for it. I was incredibly ill and I don't know what happened, like something. I honestly don't know any of the details. It ended with me trying. I don't even know. I think I was trying to do something shocking to stop whatever was happening from happening. But mm -hmm. if I could look back from a high level, they were probably just being kids. And I was, I don't know, I didn't feel good. And I just did something stupid. I've said this on the podcast before. So I started out as a very like, like a loving parent. Like I'm, I'm, I come from, I think that's pretty obvious if we're talking, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. in a, in a, in a situation that I thought the kids were in trouble, I would yell. And that totally came from like, 
the way I grew up because I was constantly, somebody was constantly yelling at me and Mm -hmm. my wife like pulled me aside and she's like, you can't yell at the kids. And I was like, but they seem to react well, like, like we're getting what we want. And she's like, no, 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 no. And so that took a while. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. She said it to me. And like on the next Saturday, I was like, I don't yell anymore, Mm -hmm. but I really don't yell anymore. Like, and I haven't for, I think it's pretty fair to say like a decade maybe, but I did like I used to. And I've, you know, been smacked as a kid and I wouldn't say more than maybe a handful of times, but I've smacked my kids like, you know, not with an intention of taking them off their feet or something like that, but like kind of shocking them into reality. I've done that a couple of times. The permissive part, geez, yes, in spots, mm-hmm. in in spots. This is the thing I wasn't going to say to the end, but I think I'm all four of these is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something incredibly wrong with each one of these and nothing wrong with each one of these depending on where you use them. Yeah. Permissiveness. Arden came home from college recently. I mean, she's 19, but she said she was going out with friends and then they were meeting up with more people. And like, she never came home. Like she did not come home till like nine o'clock in the morning. Now, in fairness, I can track her phone. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I knew they were kind of, they were parked at a park like in the parking lot and they were talk like I knew who she was with. They were probably just sitting there talking the whole time, you know, or being stupid uh-huh. or I don't know what they were doing. I did not bother her overnight. I didn't send her a text. I didn't say, Hey, you got to get home. I just used the, if she was at college, I wouldn't know where she was. I don't see how this is any different. When Kelly woke up, she's like, Arden didn't come home. Kelly was worried. I said, I'll send her a text. I texted her. I said, Hey, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll be home soon. And I was like, hey, you just, you didn't contact us to let us know. And she said, I, you know, just say the word and I won't do this again. I said, no, no, no. I'm like, it's fine. Just, it would have been cool to wake up this morning to a text that says, hey, I'm all right. And not me looking down the hallway thinking, hey, she hasn't been here since the last time I looked down that hall. Mm-hmm. And she understood. And that was it. That's, to me, that's pretty permissive. I mean, my mom would have thrown me out a window if I did that, I'm pretty sure. So, like, I think literally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perhaps, but what you've already had worked hard on establishing is that warm, nurturing, like, trust relationship where had this been happening over and over and over again Mm -hmm. with no response or a trust that she would change, right? You you both, you trust her that she would respond differently and she trusts you. Yeah, and also the situation did not warrant craziness i'll tell you like a week ago she rolled out of this house like 10 o'clock at night and i was like where i was i was up here working and kelly was downstairs and i went downstairs like where's arden she she just left and i was like wait i'm like her blood sugar is low i'm like what do you mean she just left she goes yeah she said she needed food she was low and i said did you look at her cgm and she goes i didn't and i was like well i'm looking and she's 64 like we have a diagonal down arrow and she was going to a like a convenience store two blocks from here, but she went by herself. I got in the car and I drove right to that convenience store and then I parked outside and here's what I thought. If her blood sugar holds steady, she's in the convenience store. I'm going to drive away and she'll never know I was here. And if it goes down one more time, she's going to look up from that cooler and I'm going to be standing next to her. (laughs) And (laughs) And so her blood sugar dropped again. I walked into the store. We made eye contact. She's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, your blood. I mouthed it to her. I was like, your blood sugar's low. And she goes, I know. 
And I was like, okay. She goes, do you think I drove over here without drinking something first? And I said, no. She goes, if you tested my blood sugar, it's not 50. And I was like, okay. And then I got a three musketeers bar for myself and I left. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, to me, that's permissive. I don't know what it is for other people. I, I couldn't just let somebody like be untethered completely. I don't think I'd be okay with that. So I don't know. So permissive, maybe leaning into you set these boundaries, you were there, you know, I think it also goes years of foundation of being present, setting expectations. I think of if you're consistently leaning into the permissive style, I think the outcomes would say that you would, the, the child could be more impulsive, maybe have more difficulty with social skills or relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not necessarily knowing what is appropriate, picking up on all those social cues. Right. And Arden is, is not presenting with those, right? Yeah, no, but I mm-hmm. mean, listen, I've, to me, I've seen my son get hurt on a baseball field and I have not moved. Because I've assessed from a distance he's not going to die, and I think this is a difficult situation he's going to need to get through on his own. I've also seen him get hit, and I ran onto the field, but it was situational again, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's all, the whole thing's situational, in my opinion. But anyway, permissive, what do you think are some bad outcomes we could see as an adult if we were raised like this and it wasn't right for us? I think the... Children could struggle, again, academically. There might be some of that impulsivity that I just said. Mm-hmm. I think the they might have, they might be at higher risk for health problems, not knowing, you know, having, if you're in a permissive household in terms of food and sleep, you know, there's a lot of leniency. Then as a child, you might not understand what's what's a healthy sleep habit, what's a healthy eating habit. So they might be more at risk for um, either you know obesity or sleep issues, which then leans into the research. Also talks about you know poor dental. If you're not like really, you are yes. Poor dental health per- can come from that. Yes, ah. because if you're like, well, you you brush your teeth when you're you know when so you're if ready. No harm, no foul on brushing my teeth. Then there's no harm, no foul on health in general. Like a, nothing bad's going to happen to me because I didn't have to brush my teeth and I'm still okay. And oh, I see, I got it. All right. Uh, yes. So again, I, I really appreciate the way that you're able to hold, you know, yes, there are moments to be maybe more in lenient. And with this permissive style, there is that emphasis in the the warm, nurturing, nurturing responsive parent. Mm-hmm. But the difference really is there, the, you're, there are few rules and there are few consequences for when your child does not follow the rules. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't look at if you really listen to the podcast and you're paying attention, I look at diabetes the way I look at everything. And I look at parenting the way I look at everything too. Like there's common sense. There's time for common sense. There's time to be a little aggressive. There's time to lay back. There's time to be, you know, all different ways. And and yet I will tell you that I think my kids are reasonably like adjusted. And um, I don't think I'm perfect. And I don't think Kelly is. And I don't think they are. Um, But I can tell you that they're not in a crap ton of trouble ever. Like they're not people who are in trouble. I've never once thought I'm going to have to go to a police station to get somebody. I've never once thought that someone's going to say to me, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I thought it was heroin. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like the, I don't ever think something like that's going to happen um, and hasn't so far. But when I've asked my kids about it, like moving forward, because I mean, like as an example, cocaine, completely available everywhere. Like you can get it in middle school, <laughs> high school, college. It's, it's like mm-hmm. sitting around. And when I asked my son one time, how come you've never tried that? He said he didn't want to. It was there. It wasn't something he wanted to do. And so he didn't do it. So I'm comfortable that he's got his own feelings and he's able to assert them in other places. But he also responded and said, and I think you would have drove there, taken me out of school and killed me. And I was like, and when he said that, I thought, oh, good. I absolutely would have done that. And and I'm glad he knows. And Arden piped up and she said, yeah, there are things I don't do, not because like I want to do them and I don't, but I have thought in my head, like seeing somebody else do something, like if I did that, my dad would probably rip my head off. And I think there's, I think it's good that they're a little scared to be perfectly honest. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not, like, they're not scared of me. Obviously they're not scared of me, but I do think they think in the right situation, if they made the wrong move, I would probably lay waste to what it is, is their life. And I think that's, I don't know. Well, and ultimately what I would hear underneath that or what I would reflect is like they respect you as their parent. I don't know if they respect me, but they're definitely scared of what's going to happen. So is that respect? (laughs) (laughs) Fear, fear based. Yeah. I mean, I think that they they want to respect and honor. They're scared of the consequences. Mm -hmm. But even children and teens and young adults might choose I'm quoting the wrong choice, even if they're scared of the consequences because they don't really care or they don't really respect or love or want to honor how they've been raised. So I think there is that that foundation of trust and respect. We're also very careful not to lord over them. Like we don't have them in a position where they feel like I can't be myself because if these two people don't like what I do, they can change my life. Because I I never thought that was a good idea. I've seen that Mm -hmm. done to people that Mm -hmm. usually financially they hold you they hold you hostage a little bit. Right. And you can't really be yourself because you're afraid of of losing your meal ticket. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. What's the next one? Uninvolved? Yes. This so one seems one like a no-brainer. the uninvolved. Sorry. Sorry. Say that again. I said this one seems like a no-brainer, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uninvolved, you might have heard it as neglectful. This type of parenting style, you might present more a little bit cold and not really responding to your child's needs or, you know, asking how their day was. There might be a sense of indifference about how your child is doing that that corresponds to really no rules or, or no consequences. And again, you might feel like even as we're describing this, there are moments where I might feel like you know, even like I'm being an uninvolved parent sometimes if like you're you're so exhausted and you're you're stressed with work and you just got into an argument with a family member and you have nothing left to give to your child. So that's in that moment, yes, maybe you're you're acting as if you're an uninvolved or neglectful parent. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. <laughs> but again, we're talking about like this is if you are a neglectful parent over time and consistently there there are obviously a lot of uh, negative outcomes in your child. If that's being done consistently over time, is it likely that the parent has some sort of an an emotional issue themselves because i'm trying to imagine i know that everybody's not me but man it's hard to imagine somebody having a baby and then just being like whatever and and treating it like a dog that lives outside i don't it's hard for me to wrap my head around but that's not uncommon right right and i think there 
there could be so many factors, right? Are you dealing with your own mental health? Are you being triggered because of your own experiences as a child? And maybe you are coming from a place of trauma that has not been processed and it's too painful to see your child do the things that you did. Mm-hmm. I think there, the financial stress, family stress, work stress are major factors at play when you are acting you know, in, in an uninvolved way as a parent. It's a little startling to me that you could not know yourself well enough prior to having a baby to say, I probably would be really, really bad at this. So let me stay out of this. Like, mm-hmm. I respect people who know their limits and stay away from them. I also don't understand when people judge what they think is going to happen in the future, whether it's like buying a car and you're like, I don't know if I can afford this payment or, or something like that. I don't understand who, people who don't layer onto their thinking the worst possible outcome. Everyone high sides it like, well, if this happens and that happens and the, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's a cool summer, then the air conditioning won't run. I'll be able to make this paint. Like when you're thinking that way, I, for clarity, do not get you. I come from a, a perspective of if everything goes wrong, can I still handle this? And I assume everything's not going to go wrong, but mm-hmm. that's how, I don't know. Weird for me. Um, I think, I think often as you were suggesting Parents who are uninvolved in their child's lives most of the time are facing their own mental health challenges. They might be, you know, using substances to cope with their pain Mm -hmm. and then consequently are uninvolved, right? Because if you're always on substances, you can't really be involved. So if you're the child in that situation, what's the best outcome for you? Obviously, the parent pulling it together, but let's say that can't happen. Is getting away the best thing that can happen? I think if you're the child and both, oftentimes one parent might be more uninvolved. And so the other parent, if they're able to, might step in and counteract that. Mm -hmm. I think if you are experiencing as a child or teen, a parent who is unable to attend to your needs, seeking support from, if you're in school, from your teachers, from your school counselors, other family members, you know, any any adult that feels like a safe, a trusted adult in your life, seeking support from them and and hopefully other other adults in your life, if you are a child or teen listening to this, you know, that that they would be under seeing mm-hmm. how you are feeling and doing as a child or teen and speaking into your life and encouraging you. All right. Do we have time for the last one? I'm sorry, I know I kept you. Yes, yes. Authoritative. This parenting style, the parents are nurturing, responsive, and supportive, just like the beavers or the cleavers, (laughs) the cleaver beavers, yet set firm limits for their children. They attempt to control children's behavior by explaining rules, discussing, and reasoning. They listen to a child's viewpoint, but don't always accept it. Okay. Well, that sounds like like somebody wrote that out. Like how would it be? Now, so is that a thing that she actually saw in people? She's like, oh, some people do this well. Or is this her interpretation of what good is? I think she created this parenting style as a result of observing the, the preschool age children. So these children had had positive self-esteem. They were able to socialize well. They performed well academically, socially in the school environment. Mm-hmm. And obviously when we we talk about the authoritative, that's, you know, 
as we said, there isn't like one right way, but this would be the best way if you were wanting to grow in an area to lean into the authoritative style. Mm-hmm. We can, it is impossible to be live in this space all of the time because we imagine. are human. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and, but I think the, the, the basis is kind of like the permissive style. There's a really a strong emphasis on having that warm, nurturing, attending parent to, you know, when the child gets home from school, take it isn't, you know, taking a minute to get down at their level and asking them how their day was and validating their emotions. And then when they are acting out, being consistent, explaining why are they having a timeout or why are they being told to re say that sentence in a different tone and at the same time where maybe it might feel like the uninvolved or permissive parent like giving them independence too but giving those kind of rails or boundaries of okay you're going to be i want you to grow and become independent and make mistakes but when i see you going one way or the other i don't want you to hurt yourself or others okay yeah um i mean it's a little like it's a little perfection with a bow, the description. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, it does, it makes sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to have a firm hand when it's needed. It makes sense to be, you know, to step back when stepping back is the thing. I think the, the hardest thing to do is to recognize that those things are necessary and probably recognize that you're not doing them when you're not doing them. Because I yes. bet you everyone thinks this is them. Do you know what I'm saying? I bet you if you laid these four out and said, hey, which one of these are you? People would be like, oh, I'm authoritative. I, I am a, I'm a good mix. Then you go ask their kid. And their kid would be, by the way, the kid might be wrong. But you know, the problem with parenting, if I may, is um, you don't get to know for like 25 years. <laughs> and when you find out, it's too late to fix it. How do you recognize in yourself what's happening in time to do something about it that's got to be hard that's such a good question i don't know without my wife if i would have figured it out obviously ha- so having the awareness and also educating yourself right like even as you're listening to this if you've never heard these you might not have never heard these terms which right. is okay and you might say oh yeah i i do find myself saying this or doing that And then recognizing, oh, you know what? I'm seeing that my kid is always yelling back at me, or I'm noticing that my child feels like they're lying a lot, or I'm noticing that they're becoming really kind of egocentric and think that the world revolves around them. Or so it oftentimes, you know, our our children do reflect our parenting styles. Mm -hmm. And so being, not only aware of how we're delivering our tone, our mood, but what are what is the feedback our children are giving us? And then understanding that there is always an opportunity to grow. I know we are not stuck in how we parent, even though we might it might feel like it at, the, at times. I don't know if people will find this helpful or or maddening, but I just always assume I'm doing it wrong and 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 leave myself open to flexibility. I don't know. I always assume that there's a better way to be doing what I'm doing. And I just don't know what it is. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't just mean with parenting. I I make this podcast and every day I think, oh my God, it reaches this many people. I bet you would reach more if I knew what the hell I was doing. 
but I don't. Like, there's something in this space. Like, I don't know if I've ever said this to you before, but one of my favorite mental exercises is to think to the end of an idea, like to the end of my understanding, and then to spend time wondering what's beyond it, even though that's kind of a black place in my mind that I can't pull thoughts from. But I try to think, like, what do other people know beyond what I know? And I don't know, like it's, it really is just a thought exercise, but I've done it my whole life and it's, uh, I find it valuable because every once in a while, and you should do it in the shower uh, because warm water on your head makes you smarter. I, I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's true, by the way. <laughs> um, well, yeah, a lot, lot of good thinking happens in the shower for a lot of people. I think, you know, even I was just thinking through, you know, these different styles and, and I think we, I don't know if we said it in the beginning of this episode or in our intro episode that, you know, our hope is that as we understand our parenting styles to take a step back and say, gosh, I want to improve in this way so that I can improve my relationship with my child so that we can communicate, understand one another and improve the diabetes, you know, management piece. And even as we're going through these different parenting styles, I'm thinking about how you might be parenting your child's diabetes. And there might be moments where you're you know, exercising each one of these styles, right? To mm-hmm. validate, validate the frustration and the emotion of having to change your sight and having to pre-bolus every single time. And that, and then, but then also holding those consequences of like, but we need to do it. There might be times when it has to be authoritarian, right? There might be times when you want to give a little bit more permission and leniency for your child to to grow and and have a mistake, right? Um, so yes, the I, best, yes, sorry, go ahead. No, I want to just add that I think being hopeful is also good. Meaning that, you know, we, you hear people say it all the time, like, you know, there's crime in the world or all this drug addiction, or there's these problems. They all start out as babies. They're all, nobody's on this path until someone puts them on this path. So if you're not actively putting them on that path, you should tell the anxiety in your head to calm down because things are probably going to be okay. Because I do think a lot of, I mean, how do they put it, right? Like, uh, uh, how do you ruin food? Sometimes it's by being too attentive to it. You know, like turning too many knobs ruins things. Like, think of all of you trying to set up your algorithms. Probably you should have left it alone. I, I, I will I will absolutely tell you that my daughter and her friends were over saying goodbye to each other before college started back up last week. And they, one of them was talking about a problem they were having. And I said, Sanjana, let me give you the best advice I have as an adult. And she goes, okay. I said, often the best thing to do is nothing. I'm not saying be, you know, completely, you know, what was that one called? Un- like un- uninvolved, un- right? <laughs> but, but I'm saying that sometimes you don't need to turn every little knob and make every little adjustment. Like sometimes just letting things play out is, is valuable. If they're not getting hit by a car or, you know, drowning in a pool or, you know, the big stuff, everyone's going to go in a slightly different direction. None of your kids are going to end up the way you mean for them to. So you might as well let go of that illusion to begin with and just, you know, let them find their way, but guide them. I, I mean, I would think that when my kids grow up and they have, and they are adults and they have some real like time on this planet and some experience, I think they're going to look back and see that I was standing behind them. There were wires from the little marionette thing to them, but I was trying really hard not to use them. 
And, and mm. I, you know, and every once in a while you trick them into doing something that's right for them. Nothing wrong with that either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I love that um, illustration or that image. That's good. Like I'm there, but I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. But if they fall, I go, whoops. And not all the time. Sometimes I go, oh, this fall is not going to hurt them. Let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Like it's, it's difficult because everything that goes quote unquote wrong in your eyes, you think is the end. I mean, if you're a halfway loving parent, everything that goes wrong for your kids, there's a little voice inside of you that goes, this is it. They're done. I screwed it up, you know, like, but that's just not the case. Most of the time, everybody's going to be, look at Tarzan. They left him in the jungle and he came back fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, and I think there's that balance, right, of, of learning, having the awareness being kind to yourself as a parent, like we're doing, we're all doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. And that just even thinking about that feedback from your child or your teen and even applying it to the numbers, you know, a lot of parents use those, those numbers as the, a, the, the A1C or time and range as evidence of how they're parenting, right? Yeah. Like, am I being a really, am I a good parent? I'm a bad parent. And to be offer, you know, that grace and compassion towards yourself that you are, you are doing the best you can and not using that as like, Oh, I should be more this way or that way. Anyway, go ahead. I can just, I'm thinking of a specific situation. I'll let you go. I got to see this child raised in my life, like from the outside. And the kid was, I don't know. It, It was, he was, he was difficult from the beginning. I like, I don't know if it's ADHD. Like, I can't tell you what it was. I don't know. Is he the brightest person I've ever met? No, but real soulful, really like humanity, like humane wise, a really smart, loving, caring person drifted towards like drugs and not hard drugs, like more like, you know, weed and that kind of realm like there. I'm going to guess weed and mushrooms is probably his jam. And I watched the parents fight it, fight it and fight it and fight it and fight it. They were in a fight. They were never going to win. And then one day they just realized I've got the kid with holes in his jeans and flip flops. Who's going to have weed on him all the time. And they're happy and he's happy and everybody's still alive. And you know, like, and he's going to be okay his whole life, like that kind of stuff. He's not what they imagined, but he is himself. And Mm -hmm. I think there's something to that. I mean, I think there's a difference between trying to stop a kid from drowning in a pool and trying to make a person something they're not. Yes. Anyway, those are my yes. interpretations. And that and that mindset, I was trying to apply into a specific parenting style, but I think that's it's all of them. That feels that feels like a little bit of all of them, but yeah. that also feels very authoritative, right? Like you are you're loving the child as they are, but mm-hmm. you're creating you've created boundaries and safety nets but also loving and validating the child for their feelings and their desires. Someone from the outside would definitely look at them and think, wow, they screwed that kid up. And I'm going to tell you, I think they, they did him probably the biggest favor of his life. So it's, uh, he's not what I imagine they hoped for. If I got to be honest with you, if I had a son and he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be what I would hope for, but he is lovely and, terrific person to be around and he's himself. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. That's how it strikes me. Okay. Can we, uh, real quickly, I was going to tell people what we're going to do here. We're not a hundred percent sure how many episodes this is going to be, 
But I do think we know for certain the next few are going to be building positive communication, self-care, personal growth for parents, creating boundaries and expectations, avoiding unintended consequences, uh, co-parenting and unified fronts, and then uh, recognizing patterns and breaking cycles. Is that about where we're sure to? Or are you comfortable with the next one saying it now too? Uh, I think that we, I think we'll pause there. I think that feels good. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Well, again, I really appreciate you doing this stuff with me. Uh, I love it when you come on. I feel like, uh, I don't know, by the time we're done, I'm somehow hopeful and not hopeful all at the same time, which I think means I'm being realistic. And I think that's good. <laughs> yes. thank you yeah have a good afternoon bye a huge thanks to erica for coming back again today and helping me build out this parenting series ericaforsyth.com she can see you in person in california and virtually in a number of different states check out her website to find out more ericaforsyth.com. Erica has had type 1 diabetes herself for over 30 years. And I would like to thank US Med for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Get your diabetes supplies the same way we do from US Med. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, the Bold Beginnings series from the Juicebox podcast is a terrific place to begin listening. In this series, Jenny Smith and I will go over the questions most often asked at the beginning of type 1. Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist who is also a registered and licensed dietitian, and Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for 35 years. My name is Scott Benner and I am the father of a child who has type 1 diabetes. Our daughter Arden was diagnosed in 2006 at the age of 2. I believe that at the core of diabetes management, understanding how insulin works and how food and other variables impact your system is of the utmost importance. The Bold Beginning series will lead you down the path of understanding. The series is made up of 24 episodes. And it begins at episode 698 in your podcast or audio player. I'll list those episodes at the end of this. To listen, you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com, go up to the menu at the top, and choose Bold Beginnings. Or go into any audio app, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And then find the episodes that correspond with the series. Those lists, again, are at Juicebox Podcast up in the menu, or if you're in the private Facebook group, in the Featured tab. The private Facebook group has over 40,000 members. There are conversations happening right now and 24 hours a day that you would be incredibly interested in. So don't wait. So don't wait. Check out the Bold Beginnings series today and get started on your journey. Episode 698 defines the Bold Beginnings series. 702 honeymooning, 706, adult diagnosis, 711 and 712, go over diabetes terminologies. In episode 715, we talk about fear of insulin. In 719, the 1515 rule. Episode 723, long-acting insulin. 
727, target range, 731, food choices, 735, pre-bolus, 739, carbs, 743, stacking, 747, flexibility. In episode 751, we discuss school. In episode 755, exercise. 759, guilt, fears, hope, and expectations. In episode 763 of the Bold Beginning series, we talk about community. 772, journaling. 776, technology and medical supplies. Episode 780, treating low blood glucose. Episode 784, dealing with insurance. 788, talking to your family. And episode 805, illness and ketone management. Check it out. It will change your life. Hey, everybody. BetterHelp is a sponsor of the podcast, and they're offering my listeners 10% off their first month of therapy. It's a great deal. I hope you can check it out. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. Now, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service that is 100% online. They have over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists. They can help you with a wide range of issues. All you have to do to get started is hit my link, answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy, and that way, BetterHelp will be able to match you with the right therapist from their network. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. You're going to get the same professionalism and quality as you expect from in-office therapy. And if for any reason your therapist isn't right for you, you can switch to a new one at no additional charge. Do therapy on your terms. Text, chat, phone, video call. And you can even message your therapist at any time and then schedule a live session when it's more convenient. So if you're looking for someone to talk to, check out BetterHelp. 